Hey friends, welcome to episode 11 of the Boss Bitch Show podcast. This one features Sam Sferraza, and we had a wonderful time with Sam, and it was one of our earliest recordings, but it was the one that had some of the most technical difficulties we encountered. You know, we tried a lot of different platforms, I had internet issues, blah, 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 learning curve of podcasting. So you'll notice uh, Sam kind of sounds like he's in a tin can or maybe underwater or in a deprivation chamber. Who knows? Use your imagination. But uh, (laughs) we've learned our lessons since. And there's also a moment where he's talking about um, his relationship. And then all of a sudden we start talking about Kirsten's gigs. And that was because it started just cutting out completely. And there was really no uh, segue. And we also didn't want to leave out anything. So there you have it. Enjoy. Welcome. Welcome to the Boss Bitch Show podcast. Hello. Sam, welcome to the show, Sam. I don't know how to say your last name. Sferraza? It's Sam Sferraza. Yeah, Sferraza. So many sexy consonants. Yeah, I thought about having a star name for a while, but honestly, the concept of that was like so humiliating that I was like, I actually find it less humiliating having to tell people how to pronounce my last name than being like Sam Jones or something. Like, wait, is there already like a Sam Jones? Jones. If you named yourself Samantha Jones from Sex and the City, I would fucking die. That would be so funny. Well, listen, my mom had a miscarriage before me named Samantha, so. <laughs> Perfect reason. Well, and there was, there was a whole episode where, like, all these young frat boys were coming to her door because they were looking for Sam Jones. And then she oh ended God. up. It is kind of a sexy name. Wait. <laughs> no, Sam it just seems Jones, so, like. PR. It just seems, I just, it just seems so, it flies in the face, I think, actually, of what I want what I really believe in in a lot of ways. I'm like, why would I change, literally change who I am for other people, not to be like a wine mom magnet about it or anything, but you know what I mean? <laughs> but anyway, they said, and then I remember they they told Leonardo DiCaprio to change his last name because they're like, no one's gonna be able to pronounce it, Ken, you gotta change it in the biz. And I was like, well, he's doing fine, so. If he can do it, I mean. Yes. Yeah, but it's for Asa. And I try to tell people, like, um, I think they see the S and the F together, they get scared. But they don't get scared when they pass the word sphere. So it's very strange, because if it was a PH, I think people would get it. But then some people say spherasm, and I'm like, that's not what I mean. I just mean, because <laughs> people will say, people will say sephraza, and then they'll be so proud of myself, like I said it. I'm like, you added a vowel, but that's fine. Or they'll just be like, sometimes they'll just think, oh, so it just lose the S, it's a silent S. I'm like, no, this isn't like French. There's no silent S at the beginning of a word. Anyway, that's my last name. I love it. Thank you for inspiring us to um, correct people with our names. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's kind of perfect that you were talking about not changing for anyone because we usually start this podcast uh, finding out who you are and what makes you a boss bitch, and that's pretty boss bitchy, if you ask me. Oh my god, okay. I'm I'm so curious as to like what your guys' feelings is around the term boss bitch. Cause I feel like we have entered an era where it's sort of like like it's kind of deemed sort of like a chuggy, glittery feminist like 
thing that people kind of frown down upon now but it's almost kind of like revolutionary to be like no we're still boss bitches (laughs) through the cringe (laughs) yeah you know it's really funny and I remember like literally months after we started the live show I told Rachel I was like Rachel Rachel you know there's like this whole counter movement against like these terms and she was like what fuck (laughs) yeah you would do that and it's funny like I have the fucking hat do you love it but like it's funny how like I view the term boss bitch like completely different than the way I view the term like boss babe like boss babe makes me fucking cringe and like want to like tear my eyeballs out but yeah but like Boss bitch, I feel like, yeah, yes, we got more hats made. <laughs> okay, Rachel is putting on a boss bitch bucket hat, which is telling me the boss bitches are changing with the times. You know, we you are. can listen to this podcast <laughs> and Billie Eilish. The times, the seasons, we got it all. They said, the the public said, oh, we don't like that term anymore. And we said, we raise you a bucket hat. <laughs> Oh my gosh. So you don't view it as like, I guess the criticism of it is that it's like based in some kind of corporate capitalist thing where it's like, be more like a man so you can be a better woman. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, we don't love that. It's this really, um, I understand where the faults of feminism are, especially white, like white feminism. Right. And that, um, there is this movement towards, there was this page I had to like unfollow last night that was like very like, um, God, I don't even know how I ended up like following the page. It was something like, the handle is something like girls running businesses. And I was like, what is this? No, no, absolutely not. And it's just, and I don't know, cause you're Canadian. So that's like a whole, like, I don't know where our crossover is with certain- There's not much of a difference. We like to think there is, but anyway. Interesting, because there's this really... When it comes to shit like this, I mean. Yeah, yeah, there's this really gross, like, culture in America that's, and it's, you know, pushed by capitalism, that everything is so individualistic. Everything is up to the individual. It's like, oh, you can be successful. You can be a woman in business if you just lean in, if you just work hard enough. Work hard. No, and there's real, there are very real things that oppress women (laughs) that are systemic that no matter how much of a like boss babe you are, like that's going to be challenging, you know, and you as an individual cannot control that entire system. Okay, like two things come to mind. Number one, I think we have to be like more conscious about when we're selling, when we're being sold like a specific brand of selfishness that doesn't feel wrong. So like wellness and entrepreneurship, it's a way to be so obsessed with yourself 24-7 a day via like the dark side of a boss bitch working on themselves. And then when you're not working, it's self-care. It's self-care. You're caring for yourself. And then we've like given that a label. Like I remember when just like eating a cookie was eating a cookie, but now it's like, no, I'm doing it for self-care. It's like, can I just have like a unique human experience? without it being part of some kind of slideshow on Instagram. Right. Like I can have a bath and it's not self-care. It's a fucking bath. It's just a fucking anyway. bath. Yeah. Well, and I think then, that's very capitalist of like, if you're not working, 
there's something else that we're going to call it that we can put a price working on. or working on yourself. It's like you both right. work. And then the other thing is we need to bring back shame. Okay. <laughs> These people are out here and they are cringy. They are bad and no one is telling them otherwise. Okay. <laughs> Listen, it's one month from pride month. No pride, only shame, only shame. We just need to tell them this looks bad. This is bad you need to get in the comments and be like like this if you hate this <laughs> and we need to tell them to calm the fuck down okay like oh. there's no more authentic experience there's no more posting about it without it being about something without it being some kind of meta thing because we overthink it and even like the trying to this new aesthetic of trying to be like authentic online there's no authenticity mm. you know that's so funny that you say that because I was doing the scrolling through the TikTok and the Instagram last night. And it was like the straight cis white dude who's like ex-military. And he's like, this is the way you need to start your day. You look at your 20 things of gratitude. You look at your affirmations. Then you get on the treadmill. Then you make your bulletproof coffee. Then you go masturbate. And I was like, you know, it was like, he's like, and this is how your life is going to be successful. He didn't have an accent like this. I don't know why I'm making him Italian from it. New Jersey. but like, No, but like, he did in a way. It was like militant, in my mind. Yeah. Like militant self-care tips from some straight white dude. And I was like, what the fuck is... And then I realized, like, in a good way, sort of, you know, self-care and mental health and, and therapizing has become mainstream. Yeah, that's nice. But now we're, yeah. we're, like, almost oversaturated with it. And so you're getting, like, advice from, like, all these, like, people who are, like, I'm making up this word, guruizing themselves. Right. And it's and like, who are I love you? that. Okay, wait, put that on the topic. Guruizing, right? Guruizing. It's like this one guy, it's like, it's like, I don't know, mind valley or mind matter. And I was so nauseated by the sound of this man's voice that I'm like, even if what he's providing me, it's like his whole persona, persona is just so like, you should learn to manage your brainwaves like me. And I'm like, or I could punch you in the dick. <laughs> I mean, a lot of them, it's like, you watch the, you watch these videos and it's like, but I don't want to be anything like you. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't like you. <laughs> who yeah, are, I think if there's any, you? like, if there's any individual responsibility, it's just that, I don't know, you just got to be conscious. Some stuff works for some people and, right. and it doesn't for others. And they have a vested interest in trying to convince you that their way of doing it is right for whatever reason. Right. And you know, whatever. Like, I don't, I don't want to reach a cynical point where we're like, where we're like shitting on everyone who like makes any kind of content online. Because hello, um, but, <laughs> but you know what I mean. Um, yeah, I don't know. You're supposed to be like a conscious shopper in a way, even online. But oh god, I don't know how many times I've talked about this. It's like, what is there left to say other than like being online is like it's like uniquely terrible right now. <laughs> well, <laughs> uniquely terrible. Speaking of which, I mean, I feel like we could go off in a million tangents. You're so easy to talk to. And yeah. You're cracking me up. But um, speaking of a witch, I am very obsessed with your TikTok and it really like kills me. I like, like everything. And I'm sure you think I'm your like stalker, but um, tell, Not us, at all. tell us more about yourself as a comedian and, you know, TikToker. Yeah. Um, God, TikToker. 
I know, yeah, right? Sends oh. a shiver down the spine. Um, <laughs> no, not really. I actually do love it, but it's like to be grouped with fellow TikTokers, you know, a little chilling. Um, I started comedy like, I don't know, I'm really bad with knowing the timeline of my life. I think it was like five years ago or something. Uh, I had wanted to do it for a long time and like thought about it. I had like a couple jobs where I was like really bored. And when I was bored, I would think of jokes. And now that makes sense. But then I was like, what was I coming up with jokes for? Like I wasn't even, I never performed before. And then I just did it. And like, I honestly never stopped. I think I started doing stand up because I did this big whiteboard one day about like what I wanted to do and was having one of a few different crises around like, where I wanted my career to go and I think I wanted to be a writer and I had like discovered that and for me like coming up with those with that like realization is actually like, very scary like I'm not one of those people that's like I know what I want to do like I'm like oh great now I know what I want to do like now I have to work so fucking hard for this <laughs> anyway so then I started stand up and was like well the hot would be funny and then I think I just lost myself in it um and it became my whole world. It's everything I care about now. And then, I don't know, I joined TikTok, I think, around the pandemic and just mm -hmm. kept making videos and stuff for fun. Um, and now, um, I guess I have, like, a following. I don't really know how that happened. I really don't. I, I think the big thing was I started making, like, COVID kind of restriction um, videos, kind of criticizing, like, the government here in Canada like first specifically Ontario and then I would do like people would be like do BC and then I would like research what was going on in BC and I'd be like wow like big surprise also not doing a great job over there so I would like so I would like research that I don't know this is, I think a lot of your listeners are American but like we also weren't doing a great job well, over there yeah. but yeah and I think that's actually that's something I wanted to talk to you about because we as I mean, I think I can make sort of like a general statement that like we as Americans, a lot of us, I mean, liberal Americans at least, sort of look to Canada of like, oh, they have universal health care, like they must be handling COVID so much better, like you guys wouldn't let us into your country. And we're like, that's probably a good idea, you know, <laughs> like, and um, so there's sort of like this, like the grass is greener, you know, with Canada. So I'm curious, like, what's the reality of that? Um, actually, my good friend years ago, Aiden O'Loughlin, who's a really funny comedian and a writer for Working Moms. When I first met him, I think it was the first day we met him, this came up and he was like, we just copy their homework. I don't know why they think, like when it comes to like hatred and bad things, like we just copy what what America does in a lot of ways. And I think we get away with it because Canada has this halo effect, this documented halo effect that everything is better here. And we do have universal health care, but without bringing down the mood, we have like so much unpacking to do with our own history. Um, so there's that. And then I think on a lighter note, there's this phenomenon of like Americans treating Canada like it's like a a cottage like they're like let's just leave the city <laughs> like they're like they're like we need to, i need to like see a tree or like a person being happy or something like they just need to and we're like you know we're like a sovereign nation right and they're like what <laughs> i literally talked to this when i was in new york when i met you i ran into this comedian who some comedians you meet and it's like some of them have taken the like hustle pill and others have not 
I have not taken the hustle pill. I'm like, I'm like, listen, the world can catch up to me, baby. Okay. It's like, it's fine. And then there's ones who are like, and do the mic. And do you know this guy? I do 20 mics a night. I'm amazing. Yeah. Anyway, it's sad. It's honestly sad because it's just like, you can see like the number of days they have left in them ticking above their heads. Like you're never going to laugh. Do you know what I mean? Do you know, do you guys watch anime? Do you know yes. Death Note, where it's like the demon can see everyone's like death date above their head? That's what I feel like. I'm like, I'm like, kids got 13 months before he says like comedy shit, <laughs> like free speech is out the window. I can't do this anymore. And we're construction. So yeah, before they have a total fucking meltdown. Because and I'm they like, haven't I'm had like, a this off. is a long game, baby. It is not about being counted. It is not about even being funny most days. It is about laughing. So anyway, so I ran into one of these comedians. That's not totally true. Well, anyway, whatever. But um, I ran into one of these comedians and he, uh, we were talking about the phenomenon of like Canadians moving to the States in order to be like more successful, which is like very true. It's just more opportunities, a bigger star system. And he kind of like mentioned like, oh, I thought about like even moving to Canada or something. First of all, the idea of getting a visa to move to the States for a Canadian never crossed his mind. He was like, oh, I guess that is a process. I'm like, yeah, it takes like five years and $30,000 and a good lawyer and like a rich dad. Yeah. And I'm like, it's a huge, it's process. huge. And, and you better believe America's like, what the, like, they're like tapping away at their clipboards. Like, what the fuck? You have to tell them like what your, all your work for the next like five years. And everyone knows it's a lie. And so you just, you're literally like, I know this person at Netflix and they're going to give me a job. And they're like, okay, interesting. Like you just have to bullshit for a hundred of the pages. You know what I mean? Thank God for school. I mean, they really did teach us the bullshit. I mean, at least there's like one to kill. So anyway, but, um, and then he, it never crossed his mind that he would need to get a visa to go to Canada. He's like, oh, I guess I couldn't just move there. He literally said that. Anyway. So that's an embodiment, okay. I think, of the American really, POV it, of Canada and long story, long story long. Yeah, it is really interesting. Like, I think Americans as a whole, and that's sort of like, that's just like the nationalist culture of like America that like, we think we can go anywhere and live anywhere. Can I just say, like everything that gets shit on a lot, but it's also kind of what I love about Americans. Like every day they wake up and it's like, I'm fantastic. Like every day they wake up and they're like, it's another fucking day of being amazing. Like every American has like a little bit of that in them. And I kind of, especially New Yorkers. It's true. Yes. But it was crazy during the pandemic that like people over here were complaining about wearing masks, were complaining about social distancing. And I had friends in Montreal that literally were not allowed to leave the house. Yeah. You know, like we're just completely quarantined and curfews. And I was like, we are so spoiled. We have no idea. Or like my friends in South Africa, they literally could only go to the grocery store. They had to go to the nearest one and they had to show a police person their receipt on the way home. And they like aren't even blinking. They're like, oh yeah, pandemic. And you're like, <laughs> how do we tell them? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, they're they're used to like martial law over there. No big deal. You know? But, you know, I think for most, like, New Yorkers and, like, liberal Americans, like, the veil was, the veil was really lifted with the pandemic. You know what I mean? This came, this came up yesterday when I was talking to someone about New York and 
I'm a big believer that like for where you live or even as you are as, as a person, like you kind of need someone else to tell you like from a third party vantage point, you know what I mean? And in New York, I live in Toronto. In New York, you can really see people like living their lives in the city. And I think that's like the the like vibrancy that people talk about when they talk about New York. And that's what I mean when I'm like, New Yorkers are like real and like living. And in Toronto, everyone's like pretty, I don't know, the city has like a, a low, like LinkedIn kind of vibe. Like everyone's sort of <laughs> being a little bit corporate in Toronto. It's, it's, it's different. I don't know. There's, I guess, am I just describing New York grittiness like in a long way? Maybe. What am I, like, I've, have I ever had an original thought ever? Like, just like. I like that your streets have garbage and smell like shit. I know. I'm such an asshole. <laughs> I'm like, anyway, I'm going to go to the walk in clinic for fun. <laughs> I'm just going to get an STI panel because, like, I have the afternoon free. <laughs> Yeah, I'm a huge fan of my hassle-free clinic. Are you kidding? Huge fan. Yeah. You have free STI clinics there, though, right? Like charity run or something. Some philanthropist pities you and just opens a little shack in their backyard. (laughs) Yeah. Some some billionaire likes to throw a fundraiser every year, you know, and and now we have a clinic. So the queers Um, can swab their privates in their mouths and (laughs) So the queers can, can you do that again, but like you've smoked for 90 years? So the queers can, can swab themselves. They can put the swab in their nose, in their anus, in their vaginas, their dick holes. This is the voiceover work that builds the house, that heats the home. This is it. (laughs) This is the talent This is why she gets paid the big bucks, you know? Guys, guess what I'm doing later today? You're never going to guess. Swabbing your ass off. I'm performing net close. I'm performing (laughs) at a queer arts market. Can you believe my luck? I love that. Outdoors. Outdoors, which kind of gives, gets me shell-shocked. Like, I'm like, outdoor comedy again. Uh, uh, what year is it? 2020. Oh, my God. Yeah. Seriously. But, but um, I can't wait. Oh, yeah, so I love it. that. So you're in Toronto. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I got to do a little bit of comedy up there, I don't know, a couple of years ago. My My former comedy partner, Jack the Stripper, is from Ontario. So we we've done some comedy up there. What did you think like, about it? I enjoyed it. It kind of felt like New York light. Yeah, that's New York kind of light. No, no, that's kind of Toronto overall. I think a lot of people from New York who are like overwhelmed by it come here and they're like, "Oh, this is like much easier case." <laughs> and like everyone was so nice. Like the comedy community was just really like nice. Like everyone was like, oh yeah, come do our show. Oh, come hang out here. Oh yeah, do this. And I was like, thank you. Because people, I know, because people, well, when you're new, when you're the new girl in town, I, yeah. I'll speak from experience. You get a little better treatment and when you're the new girl in town. And then people are just nice here. Yeah. And I think that, um, yeah, it's a very close knit community of people, of comedians, and we all know and love each other. And I think that, the feeling I get in New York is that everyone is on edge because they're like, who is in the audience? Is my life going to change tonight? Like, here we are in New York. We're performing comedy at the crown jewel of it all. Like, here we are. And they, like, can never forget that. And it gets in the way of performing. I can see it in people. Like, 
um, you know, and there's this like, weird, it's just, it's strange. There, and there isn't that in Toronto. It could just be lower stakes. Like, I don't really want to say that because I don't want to make Toronto comedy sound like it's like lower in any way. It's incredible. But um, yeah, that's a big thing I noticed in Toronto versus New York. Comedy. I mean, you have tons of talented comedians that come out of Toronto. I mean, the whole Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara, you know. Oh my God, mm-hmm. it's the home of JFL, yeah. you know, like that's. Yeah. <laughs> I know. My friend, very talented comedian, Brandon Ash Muhammad. Um, should I say this? Well, uh, he does this, I won't do it, but he does this impression of American comedians that come over to JFL. Um, maybe I will do it, but he was just like, he's like, hey, um, are you going to that thing later? And the thing like is JFL, <laughs> like, <laughs> like that's. <laughs> are you? And they're like on their phone. They're like, um, are you? Are you going to that uh, that thing? And it's like it's like the festival that <laughs> we all like claw our eyes out for. Yeah, <laughs> so that's yeah, kind of so funny. I mean, for the record, we're all clawing to get there as well. (laughs) Okay, good. Glad we're in the bunker together. Yeah. I have been talking to some, you know, more senior comics that I'm friends with that I, you know, look to them as mentors and stuff. And um, I ran into my friend Chanel last night and she's just like killing it right now. And I'm like, what? Like, what do you feel, like, when was this shift, right? Mm. She went from, like, you know, always, like, killing it, but, like, then it's just, like, her career has just, like, exploded, and I also take class with Jessica Curson, and, like, she's just, like, this is her time right now, both of them. And the, the theme seems to be, number one, they just don't stop, right? They just keep creating, keep getting out there. No show is too small for them. They're both extremely humble. They're both like running the marathon, like you would say. But yeah. Also, like they both have like chutzpah. Like New York is like the chutzpah town, I think, you know? And I've been finding for myself that like the less fucks that I give on stage, the oh more fun I, I have. And the more in tune the audience is, like I, I've tried to explain it to people energetically. Like if you try to come in and go down to the audience's energy level, it's not going to work. But if you come in and you're like, "Yo, guys, I'm up here. Come for the ride," they're like, "Okay, we're on board. Let's go." Yes. You know. And do you want to know something? When I talked to that comedian that night, the one that I was talking about in New York, he had opposite advice, and I was like, "And how do you do?" He was talking about this. <laughs> the, he was talking about this other comedian who he admired. He said like. She, she would change jokes based off the energy of the audience. And I don't know, maybe that's fine advice for you, but I don't I know if everyone's like that. Room. Yeah, like if, if I'm too high energy, I will read the room and adjust accordingly. But on a certain level, you're like the shaman and you're, yeah. you're not elevating them. And yeah, you know, sometimes you find that like maybe the crowd is like more into crowd work you know, than material. And then, yeah, you switch that up. But like, I struggle with that. I'm like, you guys want me to do crowd work? I'm like, hire a jester. I'm like, what do you think I am? I'm like, I'm like, I'm crap. I've crafted. I've crafted. And if I do do crowd work, it's like, I like doing stuff off the top about like the venue or the atmosphere of the event. But like, 
there is no greater depression than asking someone in the audience a question and they just give you three seconds of silence before they're like, Jennifer. It's like, <laughs> it's like, it's like, honestly, Jennifer, like, obviously I'm asking too much of you. Like, that's fine. I can do this without you, babe. Like, do you know what I mean? I don't know. <laughs> Crowd oh work is an interesting thing because I found I found in New York comedians like really loved it. Like every set was like fifty percent crowd work. And now because of TikTok, oh brother, let's talk yeah. about that. I think the audiences here have also become accustomed to it. Like a guy came to a show, like a local venue in Queens, and he actually pulled a com- and totally inappropriate, but he pulled a comic aside and was like, "Um, you didn't interact with me enough." And the comic was like. What the fuck, dude? I just want to like tell jokes and do my material. And he's like, members, I came yeah. here to get heckled. And he's like, okay, you went to the Well, there's a dominatrix for that. Right. Like, like you went to the wrong place. <laughs> oh my audience members. So especially even after the pandemic, especially have no idea how to like act or treat comedians. And we seem to have gotten the memo for musicians, ballerinas, poets. We, we, we've got the message, you know. We put them on a pedestal. But it, it's the amount of times my family members have come to a comedy show, and they're, they're actually gorgeous in the audience. That's great. You know, they're Canadian, right? They're like, whatever, clapping, silent. And then, I know, and then um, they do this thing. I don't know if your friends do this where they're like, okay, here's a ranking of who my favorite was, number one. And it's like, um, okay, these are all my friends, and you don't have to do this. Yeah. You don't have no, to do no, this. No. Yeah. Like, you're not Simon Cowell. Like, this isn't a panel. <laughs> yeah, the muggles love to do that. It's so funny. I have, a, <laughs> I have a couple of friends who do come to the show, and they're very, like, New York, and they're like, yeah. they're like you were our favorite. Um, we loved your friend Kirsten. Um that one girl, mm, I don't know. She was, a, mm, you know. It's very bad. You're doing a great impression. I mean, they'll go in and I'm like. And they make it your problem. They're like, why did she do so much sex stuff? And it's like, <laughs> I don't, you're like, you're like, what? you're like, sorry, let me write that down. I'll figure it, like, we need to get to the bottom of this. I don't fucking know. Oh my God. I know. Funny. It's so funny, right? <laughs> it's really funny. And so much crowd work in, in New York, but. Yeah, I guess you're right. They just come accustomed to it. And yeah. It's kind of having a renaissance for better or for worse. What do you guys think? How do you guys feel about doing crowd work? I enjoy it personally, but I don't, there are some comics who start their set immediately with crowd work. I don't tend to do that unless I'm like hosting, but I'll, I'll have a very sort of free flow. I, I read the energy. I look at people and oftentimes there's what I like to call positive heckling. You know, like they want to get involved. So they'll like, they'll comment. And I'll, oh, so that I'll makes comment. me nervous, but you're right. And so is that a sign that you need to interact with them? Not necessarily. I, I just sometimes choose to go there. I'm like, oh, they're having uh, fun. They want to interact. Like last yeah. night, it was like, I don't know. I was talking about Long Island because I'm from there. And that's why I could drop into the accent so easy. I fucking love you. Oh, my God. Okay, I need I need to know more about you is what I'm learning. Okay, continue. <laughs> So I've been doing more autobiographical stuff because that's what the late night scene likes, you know. They don't want to hear about my vagina. So smart, okay. And so I've been doing more stuff about Long Island and how I grew up. And I say Long Island in that voice. And this woman does a weird kind of, "Ah," you know, sort of groan comment. 
And I could, and I was like, oh, I was like, are you from there? And then in this very different accent that I didn't recognize, she was like, no, I am from a place far, far away. And I was like, I was like, okay, we're going to talk about this. Where are you from? It's very far. I'm like, what is it called? She goes, Moldavia. And I was like, I don't know where the fuck that is. What the fuck is Moldavia? It sounds like some of my pseudonym. Like, I am Malavia Morone from blah, blah, blah. Yeah, so apparently it's next to Romania. We had a whole geography lesson. It was very fun. And then after a while, she got- She did warn you. She was like, you're not going to know it. It's far away. And <laughs> yeah, then you finally got out of her. You were like, yeah. where the fuck is that? She's yeah, like, and then when it started to get too much, I was like, okay, I'm done with this weird conversation. And then I just went back to my jokes. And That's what I need to do. That's what I need to do. Yeah. Sometimes what I do- you know? You just- Yeah, you're so good with that. Yeah, you can just like ride on charm, and that is a real talent. And we have a lack of charm in this in this town and in this world. Um, <laughs> we are in a charmless state. Um, <laughs> but I sometimes what I'll do is like even when they're positive, like I'll start performing my own anxiety. Like I'll be like, yeah, I'll be like, woo! Like <laughs> I'm like very cool. Like but you have to be quiet now because I don't like that. Um, yeah, like one time I did this gig last week that I kind of more or less bombed. It's like a lukewarm sort of like buttering nose dive. Um, but um, there was a DJ on stage with me and I just like couldn't deal. And he was doing sound effects for other comedians. And I was like, I was like, you cannot, I was like, get all the sound effects out now because I'm not, doing, we're not doing that. So we just did 90 sound effects and I was like, okay, we're done. And then I forgot that I had a joke in my set about how I think DJing is humiliating. And he like made it, he like laughed and I looked over and I was like, I'm sorry, I forgot you were there. Like, it's like, <laughs> I, <laughs> that is just, funny. I probably could um, be in the moment with the audience a little more. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, do it if you enjoy it, but there's no requirement. For me, it's kind of like, it, it puts like an extra sort of zhuzh into my experience. Like for me, I know comics that it's have more been fun for you, right? eight minutes for the past eight years. And I'm like, oh I'm gosh, like, yeah. I call them wind up toys. Just wind yeah. themselves up backstage and then, wow. you know what I mean? Pull the string, say the words. Because sometimes- Dark crowd work will help jokes develop further for me too you know it'll it'll expand the joke or, or give it a new angle that i wasn't aware of so 100 yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. what about you kirsten do you do crowd workies or less so kirsten kirsten um, sorry did i think did no, i say i thought i said it because that's my cat's name and that's how i your oh, cat's name is kirsten yeah kirsten dunn shut the Fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> that is a first. That is, by Kirsten. the way, my ring light blew out. So uh, the the veil is really lifted now. This is my real face. Well, and um, Kirsten, Kirsten, I did say Kirsten, didn't I? Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Chat's name is Kirsten Dunst. Yeah. Because she I'm, looks I'm like, just... she looks like award-winning actress Kirsten Dunst. There's no... <laughs> Is fucking incredible, by the way. Okay. Like, and oh, and they're sphinx cats, so they're gorgeous alien cherubs from above. And um, yeah, it's been an awkward year because Kirsten was nominated for Year of the Dog, so that was sort of 
a hard time in our house. Um, <laughs> I, I hated that movie so much. <laughs> I haven't I haven't seen it. Should I show pictures over podcast? Is that Wait, well? Because you're not in your house, oh, right? No, yes, I'm not. Show us. Yeah, please show us Kirsten yeah, Dunn. Please show us Kirsten Dunn. <laughs> I have um what? I have my cat um Sabrina as well. Do you want a recent picture of Kirsten or do you want when she was a kitten and kind of looked most like Kirsten does? Give me that. Yes. Okay, this is perhaps her, her, she she has darker coloring on her face now, but I'll zoom in. Tell me that's not Uh, a more winning actress, Kirsten Dunn. (laughs) You know, let them eat cake. What? Melancholia who? Yeah. Oh my god. She clearly did interview with a vampire as a child Uh, right before you adopted. She's so gorgeous. I love them so much. No one prepared me for that. And I hate it because now I'm like a cat person, I guess, which I never thought I would dawn as an identity, but here we are. Here we are. Here Mm -hmm. we are. You know, I maybe I would have a cat if I wasn't like deathly allergic to them. Same. Yeah. I do I do love them. Um not as much as I love dogs, but I do love them. But I'm so allergic that I just like cannot. I thought I thought the same. I was a big dog person, and now I'm like, oh, it's a dog. I don't have to walk. Like, why would anyone have a dog? But um, <laughs> I think having a I think having a pet and living in New York is too much. I think you have to choose living in New York or having a pet. Honestly. <laughs> it's. I mean, she knows with my dog, it's a whole to do. It is. It's a lot. I feel like you're somebody who would be so nourished by a pet, though. You have a real caregiver's, yeah, energy. You know what it is? It's my loneliness. (laughs) Oh, is that it? (laughs) Is that what I'm feeling? It's my loneliness. I think that's what tipped you off. You felt it, and you were like, this lady needs an animal. With the the boss bitch font, like, closest to the website. It's my loneliness. (laughs) It's my loneliness. Where is Betty? Um, Betty, Shoot. come here, baby, come here, yeah. Here Where in New York is. do you guys live? <laughs> there she is, growling at Hi, me. Hi, Betty. Oh. I live in Inwood, so uptown Manhattan. Oh, cool, yes, 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 yes. Yeah, I'm I love in it. Queens in Astoria. So yeah. I'm like across the river. Yeah, I I discovered a story on my like third time in New York. I hooked up with someone there, and I was like, "Fun." (laughs) (laughs) So I do want to uh, talk about this because you're very open about it on the TikTok. Yeah. um, About your relationship. Yeah. And uh, yeah, being open and stuff like that. I love that. Yeah, it's not really um, that like uh, exceptional, I think, in gay world. So, um, but I think when I made a TikTok about it, I feel like a lot of my audience is like wine moms and like suburban, like 20 somethings and stuff. So I think they were maybe tantalized or I don't know. I think what the one that went viral weirdly was like when I was like, sleep in separate beds. Like that's my key to a happy relationship, which I still stand by. So you asked me how long I had been with my partner. Yes, with your partner. We've been together 10 years. Wow. Yeah, we met when I was 19. Isn't that like 
positively Victorian. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of, wow. I think like on days where I'm like, everything feels so shit. I'm like, well, maybe the reason for that is because you met like the love of your life at 19. So like everything else has to be shit. Like it has to balance out, you stupid asshole. What, oh. you want everything? Do you oh. know what I mean? But, yeah. Yes, you so. greedy little pig. Oh my God. <laughs> <I know. laughs> right? Wow. Oh, wow. That's really lovely. Yeah. So I have like a lot of experience hooking up with people and stuff in my 20s, but there's this whole kind of, I wouldn't say I am completely. I've had my dating experiences and stuff. I wouldn't say I'm completely exempt, but there's so much content and like narrative around like dating in your 20s and 30s where I'm like, I'm all these dates and da, 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 like that whole thing. Um, I guess I sound like an asshole now, but it's just like interesting to watch so much content be made about that. And I think maybe it's because a lot of people feel that way, but it, I do feel really lucky, I guess. I feel really lucky that I never have to get, like, burned out from, like, going on dates and stuff. I don't know. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh-huh. I, I guess it is very sort of, you know, in the culture, both in the straight and gay community, but, like, even more in the in the male gay community to, like, live out your 20s and fuck everyone and, like, don't, don't get tied down now. Like, now's the time to, like, let it go. Totally. And it's like, no, if you fall in love and you want to be committed to this person and you figure it out, like, good for you. I mean, shit. Like, I was polyamorous for a long time. Okay. Primary, and I just didn't find it. And so I was kind of like, okay, well, maybe this lifestyle isn't for me. Now I'm kind of polyish, you know? When I find the right partner, if we want to, like, go to parties, I'm cool with that. Like, are you and your partner, would you say you're emotionally monogamous or you're emotionally not or or ethically non-monogamous? Like, how do you? We don't put a lot of restraints around it, but I think we have a similar understanding. Like, we both have a pretty recreational view of sex. Um, Like, we can have it for fun with each other and with other people. Tell me about the gigs. What are the gigs you're doing, Kirsten? Oh, yeah. So I, when I initially came, I came to New York as a professional dancer and I like did dance contracts and all that stuff. And there's a whole world of like events where dancers get hired to be like roaming entertainment or to do performances. And like, they basically hire you to be like walking chandelier. Yes, I've been a chandelier many a time. Like, I've been the wildest. You can't even imagine. Like, some of these parties are so extravagant and insane. And, like, Like on fire, like, just like uh, such crazy costumes. I've been like a dancing Diet Coke can. I've been like, you just truly cannot imagine. Like, I saw you in like an uh, airline stewardess costume, which I assume is like the, uh, the like tamer of the usual. Yes. So and I have I a couple like, versions oh. of that. Yeah. Yeah. So I, and like for a minute I was like, oh, maybe she's an airline stewardess. I didn't know. But then like the set behind you just seems like a little uncanny, like a little bit fake. And I was like, what's going on? And I was like, this doesn't seem right. And then like, and then the next one you were like a disco ball and like a high pony. And like, that's my life. That's my life. And, um, I gotta be honest, it's pretty great. Uh, yeah, I love that you love it because I love seeing it. It's so yeah, fun. it's fun. It's I've I've been very uh, blessed that I have like this sort of uh, um, 
apiary of different work that just keeps me afloat, you know? Um, so, she often um, runs into my friend, Anna, who's an aerialist. Yes. So, you know, Kirsten will be looking fabulous in sequence over here doing something. And then my friend Anna's like hanging from the ceiling. And they're like, want to get drinks? Yeah. Yeah. It's wild. It's I wild. did an aerial silks course or two. It was really fun. It made me feel very strong and hot, but I wasn't particularly great at it. My legs are completely dead weight. I was pulling myself <laughs> with my arms only. Like I was like a merman. <laughs> I was like I was like a tadpole like trying to come to land they were like you need to use your legs I'm like they won't help I have mild cerebral palsy which I do and still choose to yeah oh and still God. choose to do an aerial silk course anyway good for oh you wow. oh yeah an inspiration to many not really I'm you know I often say things and I'm not trying to be funny I guess it's just so a part of who I am now I'm talking to a friend the other day I'm like yeah, I sprained my my thumb pulling on my mermaid tail when I was in Mexico. And she's like, who the fuck are you? Who says that shit? And I, I know. Like, oh, yeah, I guess that is like a normal statement, right? That's hysterical. Oh, my God. So we've come to the portion of the show where we like to have you select a big deck energy card. <laughs> Woo! Ooh, are these... Bespoke, have you made them yourself? We yeah. have. Uh, this yeah, is the beta, this is the beta version. Yes. Eventually, they will be like very nice cardstock with original artwork and all of that jazz. But right now, they are um staples index cards. I love that. Okay, so Should tell we... me when to stop. Stop. Oh, the word is pussy, and it's upside and it's upside down. So, we uh, the, sorry, we could have explained it first. No, I love the mystery. It's like walking through a haunted house. It's like there's no lights on. I don't know. Well, it would be a haunted house when when the word is pussy for a gay man. So, <laughs> yes. So essentially, we have a bunch of words like pussy, queer, cunt, bitch, whore, and we're taking back these words and redefining them. Okay. So pussy, the definition. The warm, wet, elusive domain of power. Ooh. <laughs> and since you have it upside down, mm -hmm. have you forgotten your divine feminine power? You may need to rub that pussy like a magic lamp and remember who the fuck you are. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I have to tell you, actually, it didn't come up, but you wouldn't guess it, I guess, from the celebratory, celebratory nature of our conversation, but I had a fucking hell of a week. It was one of, it was one of those weeks, O-O-T-W. Mm. I fucked up at work a little bit, and then I also got blamed for someone else's fuck up and then had to, like, circle back. And April was, like, so crazy for me. It was very overwhelming, but, like, also fun. But, like, I was on, like, the verge. I was like, I don't know. I might lose it. But this is fun. But, like, I'm, like, I'm overstimulated. Like, I was like, I need one of those, like, hanging sensory deprivation things where I can just, like, stop or something. And then this week was, like, still, like, a lot, but, like, not fun. And I was like, this sucks. Like, I thought I would have a break. So, you know what, maybe I do have to remember who the fuck I am. It was like a lot of confidence building with my partner. I talked to him about everything and I was just like, I talked to him about all the problems I had this week and he was like, you are so hard on yourself. He's like, you are literally fabricating 
a reality that is not true. And it's like a reality where like, where like you are at fault for everything. And he's like, stop it. You're so mean. <laughs> and um, yeah. So listen, I love tarot. So I take this uh, very seriously. <laughs> oh, we do. We are, um, as you'll get to know us, we are very witchy bitches. Yes, we're here. We love an energy card. We love a mushroom trip. We love astrology. You know, we're, we love that shit. Mm -hmm. Wow. Get the crystal in my ass and like, give me a spell. You know what I mean? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Spell. And um, it's perfect because your affirmation oh, is. It's not done. Okay. I hold the power of the pussy. She is my divine feminine creator. I may bleed, but I won't die. I am strong, resilient, and a beautiful bitch. Oh my God. I love strong, beautiful. Oh, that's nice. Thanks, yeah. guys. Yeah. Yeah. So what, uh, what a nice treat it was to meet you and to be here. Yes. Same. Well, I knew when same. I stand up, I was like, oh, I'm in. I'm in. Love it. You are also a fantastic audience member. Uh, <laughs> a patron of the arts. That is a point of contention. That is a point of contention. I have been heckled by a comedian for my laugh and have been <laughs> and have been yelled at for laughing too hard and too loud well they just don't like women that take up space <laughs> One hundred. can you guess um what demographic this comedian was i don't need to guess i know yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 It was sadly, it happened to my friend a couple yeah. of weeks ago where this comedian, this male comedian, was uncomfortable with her, you know, boisterous laughter and was like, oh. What are you laughing at? And she was like, I'm at a stand up uh, show. That yeah. is dark. And thanks that for is shutting me down shit. my self expression. Like, it. so yeah. weird. So very weird. Yeah. So, Sam, when you're in New York, you obviously have to come do the boss bitch show. I really want to go and I hope it lines up next time. Yes, and um, tell us where we can find you in the meantime. You can find me on TikTok, Instagram, and I guess a little bit of Twitter at Sam is laughing. And I think my website is samislaughing.com, but if you want to check shows I'm doing in Toronto and sometimes New York, Instagram is the best place. And TikTok for all my funny stuff. Well, we love you, Sam. We're big fans and we can't oh. wait to have you on the show. Yes. And um, we hope that you remember your big, strong pussy this week. Thank you so much. You know what? Yeah. Pat that pussy. Yeah. Oh.